So, is the weather going to be better today? Is it going to be cooler? Not really. Oh. I thought you said it was one day. It's two days? Yeah, today oh. it's not going to be as hot as it was yesterday, but it's okay. still 85 today. Okay. Tomorrow it goes down. Okay. Yeah. It's like it's teasing us, but, you know. But I, honestly, isn't that like the best way to like um, harden your plants out in the garden? Like for them, they, they get used to a hotter weather versus, you know, just suddenly being out in the hotter weather. Isn't that kind of like what you do when you're taking them from the grow from the grow room outside? Um, not necessarily. The um, you take them from the grow room. Well, because the grow room, I keep warm for germinating the seeds. The temperature, depending on what it is, mm-hmm. needs it to be seventy-five for some, eighty-five for others. Like I prob I couldn't germinate okra seeds in the grow room because I don't keep it. 80 85 degrees in there okay and then they stay in there and i keep it warm just for the other things that i'm germinating at the same time things that are outside and exposed to cold weather earlier in the season Mm -hmm. tend to bolt because it get if even you know a couple of really warm days if they're used to the cold they bolt when it's warm if they go out there when it's warm already then they don't tend to bolt because they're um, they're just uh, they're they uh, plants know when it's spring and when it's summer and when it's fall and when it's winter. So like depending on the temperature and the way that the day acts, it changes the way that the plant is. So the warmer weather is not necessarily great for the plants, especially for transplants. Transplants, uh, because they're when they're still in their smaller pots, they dry out faster. So I have to water them deeper than I normally do. Like, And for a garden that we're trying to figure out the watering situation so that it's not, you know, me going out there for two hours every day just to water it, mm-hmm. it the warmer days are, are very counterproductive. And uh, anything that doesn't like warm weather will bolt no matter what if it starts to get above 85 degrees. So now we're at that point where we're hoping that all of my lettuce is fine because they may all yeah. go to bolt because of that which means that we just have to have salads for like three days in a row oh no but it, if it stays like that i can't really grow more lettuce that means our our lettuce season will be over yeah um but for certain plants like summer summertime plants like it warm so like zucchini and cucumber they, they'll be more happy the warmer that it is mm-hmm. the cooler that it is the less happy they are and the slower they grow because they don't want to grow too much and put out their flowers to be harmed by cold weather. So it literally depends <laughs> on what it, what plant we're talking about. But for the most part, transplants don't like it hot and sunny because they're used to being inside where it's warm and under grow lights. Which no matter what grow lights you get, they're never going to be as powerful as the sun. So that's why when I bring them out there, I put them in the shade. Because the more that they get that spotty sunlight, the... Um, more acclimated they get to that sunlight before Mm -hmm. I put them wherever they're going to be, where they're going to get, you know, four to six hours of direct sunlight. So, which even then with our backyard, it's only going to be like that for another couple of weeks until all of our trees have leaves again. So that's, that is the upside to where I have this second garden is that it's a lot more uh, beneficial to what's going to be in there when, because the sun starts off, you know, behind trees, and then mm-hmm. it has, depending on which beds, 
has more sun um, that is covered by shade throughout the day than sun that is directly on them, which when it does get to temperatures above 85, it's very helpful for the plants. They like that sun, but they don't like that hot sun. And when it's humid, it only magnifies <laughs> the sun that's hitting them. So they can only take so much before they start to get sad. So I understand. Yeah. No, I, I was watching you water it this morning and I was like, oh, you know, OK, OK, I got it. Now, are you going to switch over to the drip hoses in the drip system or what are you thinking? I, I don't know. I okay. thought that you were going to come out there and kind of help me. OK, yeah, I, I, I am. I just didn't know if you had something in mind. I don't want to come out there and, and do something that's going to be contrary to what you've already planned or are already planning on doing. Like, which ones do you want drip in? Which ones do you want to use a sprinkler on? Or we just want all drip or, you know type situation or do you want some that are going to be dripping and some that are going to be hand watered or whichever so it's kind of your call on that i mean i'm all for you know whatever's the cheapest but at the same time that means pretty much watering the garden at night because that allows them to get water and then you know that's that's a big pain in in and of itself because you know i don't want the water that's on the plants to be burned by the sun basically is what that comes down to yeah, so. the the everything everywhere always strongly, uh, strongly mm-hmm. <laughs> recommends against watering your plants at the end of the day or at night because you don't want your plants to sit in water. That's like the biggest thing. That's sure. the biggest killer. It, uh, it just invites diseases and bugs and everything to come chill because that's where there's water and that's where it's going to be cool. So it sucks. Morning time is the best time to water it because you want your plants to still dry out. They just don't want to stay dry because then they mm-hmm. die. So it's like literally it's it's such a big, you know, juggling game of trying to figure out what needs what when. Because the the biggest thing that I constantly see is it's extremely hard to figure out how much water is enough water. Because without having something in like the center of the bed that you can see exactly where... uh the like how deep that water is actually penetrating because mm-hmm. you think oh hey i water this deeply but then you go back and stick your finger in there and you know two inches down it's dry and right. so that's the problem is that deeply watering the plants is what makes it so that you have to water them less but it's just it's hard to tell <laughs> you have to be digging around in the bed to figure out how deep that water is actually going with mm-hmm. how much you had so it's 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 just like i said it's a big old juggling game of trying to figure it all out because you some plants like the tomatoes have to be deeply watered or else you're not going to have roots growing deep or they they won't they'll go hey there's never any water down here so then they won't grow deep and they'll just keep growing roots closer to the surface so it's it's just yeah it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot and it's going to be a big task trying to figure out based on cuz no matter what it's going to change mm-hmm. i can't keep planting the same plants in the beds that they're in like indefinitely because that's exactly how you strip beds of the nutrients that are specifically needed for that plant like that's why people plant um peas and then they will plant tomatoes in that bed after the peas are done because uh uh, peas are good nitrogen fixers so people plant peas as a cover crop in a lot of different places just for the sake of making sure that they uh have that nitrogen because Mm -hmm. it's one of the harder things to fix into the soil so it's it's a lot (laughs) there's so much that goes into gardening and that's also part of the reason why i think it's so funny you know helping out with the girls 
uh, garden club at school because my goodness, <laughs> they really don't know any of that. Mm-hmm. They say, "Oh yeah, we're researching, and yeah, we, we looked into this. We know that it's you now. Now's the time to plant it." And I'm like, "Okay, but you're planting all these seeds. And you got anywhere to put them? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they're not thinking about it." Which, as I you know looked at you know the soil that they have over there, you know, it the way that all of that is set up, it's not impossible for them to have in ground beds over there. It's just gonna take a little bit of amending and actual you know constant going out there and pulling weeds and making sure that it stays well watered because Mm -hmm. that kind of soil is what most people's soil out here looks like we got lucky on our property that our soil doesn't look like that yeah because our soil is you know literally trees and and over a century of tree compost you know with very minimal anything else so yeah it's crazy so yeah, no, the, it, it's uh, their soil is easily amendable, um, so they can have in-ground beds because that that soil is not super fertile. They won't have to deal with a lot of grass trying to grow in and weeds going, you know, trying to take over their garden. So it's possible to do a lot more there with just the ground and adding compost and organic matter to it than they think. It mm-hmm. just means that they have to dig and create an area for mm-hmm. things to grow on the ground which is more work <laughs> so no matter what you know it's gonna be interesting with them <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll see how that that ends up working and with that good morning and welcome to the morning grind on the stupid podcast on everything where i'm joey and i'm kiki and we talk about everything and nothing all at the same time so this morning is our tuesday april 4th and we have to talk about what well, we don't have to talk about we have our national days or international days what do we have today uh national days two of them perfect go for it first one is national vitamin c day so national vitamin c day on april 4th each year shares all the ways vitamin c nurtures and benefits our health inside and out while vitamin c is widely recognized for warding off colds the vitamin is also clinically proven to be a powerhouse in other areas of health too For example, vitamin C may reduce blood pressure and potentially lower the risk of heart disease. Those at risk of gout can lower that risk by increasing their intake of vitamin C. Topically, vitamin C helps skin keep skin healthy by protecting it from oxidative damage caused by daily exposure to light, heat, and pollution. The popularity of topical vitamin C products has risen dramatically. With the right product, adding vitamin C to your beauty regimen can brighten your skin, reduce inflammation, and promote healthy collagen production. Vitamin C it brightens just about any health routine. So to observe Vitamin C Day, learn more about why vitamin C is essential for skin health, find the right vitamin C serum for you, and share your experiences using vitamin C in your daily regimen. And we swear by vitamin C here. Like oh, literally, yeah. it's one of the few things that's like, oh no, we you know, we know for a fact that along with vitamin B12, um, that vitamin C affects your mood, mm-hmm. affects your energy level. It affects and you know it affects your sleep, and so like you know we have we have supplements, but for the most part we're you know like Nikki and I'll, and I'll say this and it works for Nikki. Um, Nikki has ticks. She has nervous ticks that she has, and I sat there and I said, okay, time to start taking orange juice. And so we put her on orange juice and literally every day we sit there and look at her and she's got her little ticks going and we're like, did you drink your orange juice today? No. (laughs) And she goes and has a cup of orange juice and like, you know, 30, 45 minutes later, she's good. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
you know, and vitamin C is one of those things that's very hard to overdose on. So oranges, tangerines, all the fruit that you can get, even green greeneries, you know, they all contain vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Vitamin C is one of those things that we don't we don't mess around with. I'd rather not do supplements at all. It's always way, way more expensive to do supplements. We have the garden coming in. And one of the things I'm excited about is that means that we don't need to take all these supplements. So we don't need to take vitamin C. We don't need to take B12. We don't need to take all of these things that we're taking just to kind of regulate ourselves because we know that the vegetables and the fruits in the store are just weaker and weaker. Mm -hmm. And so we're just fighting to get more nutrients on ours and our, we have a lot of nutrient rich soil a lot of very you know types of of compost and soil and fertilizers because the only way you're going to get it in the plants is if you have it you know in in the soil so it gets mm-hmm. into the roots so that it gets on them where you know everybody who's doing aquaponics and hydroponics you know water-based feet there's there's very little nutrients in those you know Understand that the only vitamin that you really get that just comes directly from the sun in a plant is vitamin D. That's it. Everything else requires nutrients for the plants to properly convert, you know, and it's like I can tell we get lettuces and I'm like, oh, oh, this lettuce is nothing. And then we grow lettuce. You put lettuce from our yard and I'm like, oh, this is so good. And so, I've got cabbage going now. Mm-hmm. So. No, I'm so excited. I just can't wait. And I have it in the right area. Good. So, and then um, so today when the girls get home let's or let's make sure when they get home from school obviously let's make sure that they get the last of those rocks out so we can get those potatoes in. So mm-hmm. I want the last shot of potatoes and it's now. <laughs> so or it was last week, but yeah, but you know, vitamins, having a garden is just best way to get your vitamins and, and it helps, it helps with everything. So yeah, with that said, what's our second day? So this one, yeah, I know you're going to have things to say about. Okay. It is National Chicken Cordon Bleu Day. Ah, okay. Yep. Each year on April 4th, National Chicken Cordon Bleu Day celebrates a blue ribbon dish that combines chicken, ham, and cheese. The French term Cordon Bleu translates to blue ribbon. This dish is a take on the popular veal cordon bleu. It is a flattened chicken breast that is wrapped around ham or sometimes prosciutto or Canadian bacon and cheese such as Swiss Swiss or Gruyere. Mm -hmm. Toothpicks hold the chicken together before being dipped in an egg wash and breaded. The earliest recipe we were able to find was in a March 1964 printing of the Cincinnati Inquirer by Cincinnati Gourmet Stanley Demos. Mm -hmm. Despite being Despite some misconceptions, it is an American dish. Yep. Demos mentions in its column that he, uh, mentions in his column that he got the idea to try chicken instead of veal to be different, quote unquote. It has been a popular dish since. So to observe National Chicken Cordon Bleu Day, make chicken cordon bleu or variation on, on the theme. Several recipes offer lighter varieties as well. Share your favorite recipe for this creative chicken dish. And behold the very <laughs> oh, sorry. Go Order ahead. chicken cordon bleu at your favorite restaurant and definitely share your favorite that you've had thus far. Yeah. I have never had it. I I haven't made it since Yeah, no. I haven't made it since we've been together. Um mostly because I just it is a lot of work. Um, sounds like it. <laughs> it. It is. It's it's a lot of work, and there is a relative of chicken cordon bleu that I actually like better, um, which I have made, which is chicken Kiev. 
So, and I made that when we were back in Sacramento, so it's been a minute. <laughs> but um, the Chicken Cordon Blue was actually my first big argument with um, one of the head chefs because the head chef that I wor- was working for, same guy, same omelet uh, chef, right? Okay. Was putting blue cheese into his Chicken Cordon Blue. And I was like, no, sir. I'm like, it's not supposed to be blue cheese. It's an American dish. Blue, blue cheese. The blue in it refers to again. Yeah, you said it. It it being a blue ribbon winning dish. You know where a lot of people think it's fried. It's not fried. It's baked. Okay. It's it's the, everything about chicken cordon blue doesn't sound right. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, but it's it's because of the blue ribbon. He made it with with blue cheese and I thought it was horrible I literally because blue cheese already has a good salty robust flavor to it right Mm. so then you put it with an aged ham right and it's like oh it was it's way too strong and 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 the problem was and this is back in early 90s where right now everybody and their mother, of course, is a culinary expert, and they go to the restaurants and tell you, "Oh, this is what they need to do better. This is what they can mm-hmm. need it." No, shut up, shut up. I've seen you burn water, you know. It's like type situation. Back then, people wouldn't tell them anything, right? It's like it, there was no Yelp, there wasn't anything like that. To oh, chef, it was amazing, oh, really. And and I've and I know this for a fact because I went to a restaurant. And it was in Napa. I can't remember the name of it. And if I do, I wouldn't say it anyways. Um, because maybe they've changed it. But I went to this restaurant and I remember that I had, it wasn't a chicken Kiev. It wasn't a chicken cordon bleu by definition. Um, biggest difference, by the way, chicken Kiev is, uh, it has butter in it. And so what they do is they use chilled butter so that by the time it's the chicken itself is finished cooking, um, it's the butter just just gets to that melty point where it's just it's it's amazing don't get me wrong chicken kiev i i i think is incredible but they made something and it was obvious that one of the prep cooks had mistaken teaspoon for tablespoon on salt and i Uh. got a dish that like three other people at my table had and it was a salt lick it was like (laughs) Uh, it was, you know, I like pretzels, but man, if I didn't know it was going to be pretzel like um, <laughs> it wasn't. And it was, oh, man, I can't remember what was in it. There was a cheese, but there was there was something it was it was almost like an inverted fritter is the best way to describe it. So okay. anyways, so the chef came out and I saw the look on the chef's face where he was you know he's like hi you know like like, that nervous kind of high so he goes to our table and starts asking people what they think and specifically he was going after the chicken dish which is supposed to be a house specialty right Mm -hmm. the meaning it's his dish and everybody oh it's great chef oh it's great chef meanwhile nobody was finishing the damn thing right and everybody Mm -hmm. was getting refills on their water and he came over to me and he goes and and what do you think young man and i sat there and i said can I be honest? And he goes, I would appreciate and looked at me just dead eyed. Like here it comes. I would appreciate it if you would. And I was like, it's extremely salty chef. Like I, I am. And I was the only one who actually called him chef. So I should renote that. But I'm like, it's extremely salty chef. It, 
is almost I want to pull out the center to be able to eat it. So I'm going to guess it's this, you know, um, whatever you have in the center of it. I couldn't remember. I can't remember what it was. I knew what it was at the time. And I said it and it, and he was like, thank you. And he just he's like looked at me and said, thank you. What can I get you? And then as soon as he realized that I knew and he said, he goes, I have a new sous chef. And he was going by the recipe and mistook tablespoons for teaspoons. And I was like, okay, you know, because apparently he put instead of eight teaspoons. Oh, my gosh. He put eight tablespoons. And for those who don't know, it's three teaspoons to a tablespoon. So this thing was three times as salty as it was already supposed to be. Um, so it was a salt like pain in, in the center. And so that was my and literally he's like anything that you want. And I had never had one before. I'd never had one. Well, let me phrase it. I'd never had one cooked by a chef before. So I was very excited. I was like, well, I was thinking about the ribeye, but he's like done. And I was like, <laughs> OK. And then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, two of the other three people, you know, um, um, yeah, it really is salty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and he's like. Okay, well, maybe next time be a little bit more honest and walked away just as pompous as could be. And it was like and and there and six minutes later, I had this beautiful ribeye with this big cap <laughs> around it. And I was like so excited and found out because their ribeye was prime rib ribeye. And I was like, because, you know, people don't realize that prime rib is a ribeye, but it's the grade of beef. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can make a regular ribeye roast taste like a prime rib ribeye roast. Most people don't know the difference. And it's fine. Most of it, it really isn't as relevant as people think. But, yeah, absolutely, you know, um, chicken cordon bleu is, is, is not blue cheese. It is not, um, you know, it is not fried. And it is a very labor-intensive way to have a ham and cheese sandwich. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm, there's no other way to put it. It's a low-carb ham and cheese sandwich with breadcrumbs on the outside. And that's, you know, because it uses chicken instead. It's it's good. I don't think it's as good as, like, it was when it first came out as far as the, the hype. Because I feel like food has culinarily leapt past the days of fondue and mm-hmm. chicken cordon bleu and croque monsieur. And, you know, th- those things. Like, like we're, we're even to a point where crab cakes are just they just need to go like there was a time where crab cakes made sense because the only crab you could get way you could get crab was canned so you had to make canned crab taste good but now you know we can get frozen fresh crab and it's absolutely delicious and i would never want to insult it by putting it into a thing with egg and you know panko breadcrumbs celery onions and things that take away from the flavor of it in my opinion so anyway with that <laughs> so do you want me to make you one or have i just kind of turned you off to it well no because you said the ham and cheese and i was thinking grilled cheese with ham and it. it sounds really good mm-hmm. but i also it's, it's still hot so it's like i'm trying to think like and maybe i really do just want to eat a salad because <laughs> at least a salad could be ice cold i'm just yeah I'm, I'm i'm thinking about my my first meal and it's really funny on, on the side note is I have modified my diet, right? And my modifi- modification of my diet is just going harder to the low- lower carb side of things. Um, but I didn't, 
I'm, I haven't been doing the intermittent fasting, but what's hilarious is like yesterday, mm-hmm. one fifteen, I was good. I, that was when I f- started to be like, mm, I could eat something. So yeah, so it's just it's just interesting for that. So I'm I'm definitely sticking on things. Um, if I sit there and I say, okay, we're gonna have like we were talking about our poker night, having our poker night once a month. It's mm-hmm. like if I'm gonna do that, then. I'm going to save that as my drink night and the rest of the month I'm just not going to drink anything. So because I had I had a blast and I didn't need to get drunk. Heck, I might not even drink the night. It's like, you know, the sugar that's the calorie empty calories and alcohol uh, just, you know, messes with my metabolism. So but seriously, we just you know, thank you so much for joining us. And if it's not too much, we would love it if you would join our growing community. It's free. All it takes is a follower or a subscription and all the positive things that you can do to let us know that we're doing a good job. You know, we really appreciate everybody that's here and we would love to just keep growing and we know we will as long as we have the support of people like you. So until then, thank you so much for joining us on the Morning Grind on the Stupid Podcast on Everything where I've been Joey. And I'm Kiki. Peace out with your peace out. Bye.